You have just tuned in to the one-year anniversary season of the Cowbell Factors Podcast. I'm your host, Alexis Sierra Vaughn, Senior Director of Agency Marketing for Cowbell, signaling a new era in adaptive cyber insurance. Cowbellers, I am so excited about our next guest of the season. We have with us our Cowbell partner from CrowdStrike, none other than Director of Business Development, Adam Cotini. So let's give a warm cowbell welcome to Adam. Welcome, Adam. That's uh, very, very hard not to laugh. I appreciate that. <laughs> How are you? I am doing that. excellent. You are welcome. I know everybody always gets excited about the cowbell, or they either either wondering is it going to be a part of the intro or not. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Thanks for the warm welcome. I appreciate it. You are so welcome. So our audience is really excited to hear from you today, Adam. So let's get into it. So Adam, I think it's always helpful for our audience when we have our guests introduce themselves. Tell us a little bit about your background and also your current role at CrowdStrike. Yeah, perfect. First off, thank you for having me. Uh, I'm really, really excited about having this conversation with you. Uh, You took Cowbell and yourself took a great interest in in the kind of the story we're going to tell today. Mm-hmm. Um, my background is interesting. I think it's it's probably one of the most interesting backgrounds when you look at the relationship of insurance to the technology companies. And the reason why I believe that to be the case is because I had 20 years of PNC background before I came to the technology side. And of those 20 years, 14 of them were spent in cyber insurance. So wow, I started in 2015. In cyber insurance, really, at the end of the day, I'm sorry, 2005. In cyber insurance, at the end of the day, very early on, when the when the product itself was was very new, um, I remember when it was completely different than what you saw today in terms of policy language. Um, I came over to CrowdStrike in in 2019 to take on the role of a business development um, lays to the to the insurance and the um, law firm community, breach the breach coach community in particular. Uh, and from okay. there, I have developed out the uh, the taking the taking the the resume from twenty years of of insurance, fourteen or fifteen of them in cyber insurance, and then ported it over to the technology side where we're making we're making strides and bridging gaps. Absolutely, you know, Adam, I really love this because you truly are doing exactly what this podcast is all about in your role today. You're helping to bridge that gap between cyber insurance and cybersecurity, which I'm really excited about. (laughs) So thank you for that. You're welcome. That's what I'm here for. (laughs) So Adam, in your experience, what have been the best ways to marry those two disciplines? You know, what works and what doesn't work in your opinion? So uh, what works is understanding cyber insurance first. And that's really that. I think that's where it's really dynamic, right? I had an understanding of cyber insurance, and I brought that to the technology side. And what's really interesting is how much I learned – I'm almost on four years now on the technology side – how much I've learned about the business as it pertains to cyber insurance that I actually picked up in the technology side. So for mm-hmm. instance, very important, I came to the insurance – to the technology side of CrowdStrike, and I started hearing the question sets that, that the – the incident responders and the folks that are asking the questions about whether it be proactively or response wise. And I'm picking up on these questions and I'm going, huh, I never thought about that as a broker. Right. I'm wondering, yeah. I'm wondering if the brokerage community understands that 
does the underwriting community understand that? However, at the same time, I'm also talking to the technicians here and I'm going, you can't ask that question that way. That's going to impact the way they, the insurance company would, would interpret it, or that's going to uh-huh. impact the broker situation. So the real, the real, the real interesting part about this, in my opinion, is, is that the, the breadth of insurance experience coming onto the, into the vendor side, and in particular, the forensics piece of the combo, uh, but as well as the proactive I think it lends it more value than if it was the opposite, where a technician would go to the insurance side. Because now you have that foundational base of insurance. You understand insurance well, but the technicians need to understand it. And that's the part, I'll be honest, it's the hardest part. Because I've seen, yeah. I've, seen, I've seen plenty of folks go from technology onto the insurance side to learn the insurance. But I think the other side actually has the most value and brings so much more of a dynamic piece to the conversation. Absolutely. So, Adam, let's talk a little bit about 2014. <laughs> mm-hmm. so why is that year significant for you? And would you say you were ahead of the curve? <laughs> I should have a 2014 t-shirt, right? Like, you know, uh-huh. instead, of my, instead of my Aaron Judge 99, I have a 2014 on there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm a Yankee fan. <laughs> you know, um, um, so... You know, I, you know, if you go back in time here and you kind of look at some, some breaches that occurred uh, around 2014 and actually in 2015, 2014 was a milestone year for the cyber insurance industry where there was real claim activity that, that really bubbled up and really caught the attention of the insurance community and said, wow, you know, there was a time before that where it was like, what are we selling? How, in an insurance capacity, are we, you know, we don't have the claim activity. We're not seeing the, level of interest that we thought we were going to see when this product was developed initially. And then you have the milestone years of 20, 2013, 2014, actually 2015 is really where another healthcare um, breach event happened and that it kicked off a whole nother round of interesting events. So you have retail in 2013, 2014, end of 2013, 2014, and then you have a whole bunch of healthcare events in 2015, right at the onset of it. So 2014 is that milestone year. And for me, I'd started thinking proactively at that point, and I started thinking about uh, priorities and putting together predominant priorities as a broker and bringing those predominant priorities to the forefront of the conversation. One thing I will tell you is 2014 was a little too early to bring the predominant priorities from a proactive perspective to the industry, but I was thinking ahead of time and saying, this industry is gonna, going to need to change. And in 2014, you began, we began to see things change. And another interesting thing about 2014 and 2015, we saw this little blip, like a very small blip in the market where there was, there was some concern in the insurance industry about the development of claims based off of those industry events. And mm. you can see a soft market, but boy, there was a little bit of a blip there. And a lot of folks who practiced and, and were practitioners at that time will remember wow, trying to go get some of these placements done, there was a little bit of hesitancy by the underwriters, right? And then we started to coast into 2018 where we saw a lot of BE sales. But 2014, the year I believe, in my mind, we started thinking more proactively. And in particular, I started, I have that as the the year that that I marked off is when we started going into predominant priorities with our customers, with our insureds and telling them, you have to start thinking proactively. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what I'm seeing is much like you, um, CrowdStrike also saw early on that cyber insurance was a really important lane to involve itself in. And 
that's that 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 talks to a lot of um, the moments when they started to begin to align themselves with the insurance industry. So, can you help our audience understand exactly what the CrowdStrike leadership saw and why, Adam? CrowdStrike is a is an innovator and you know a company that looked to the future right from the from the onset when it, when CrowdStrike was created, and so they they saw risk and created product and services to address risk. And it becomes very natural to say if I'm creating if I'm creating solutions for risk, that this would this would easily port itself over to other industries who are trying to manage risk. And so real early on, they hired Charlie Groves, who, who is my boss, and I work with him very closely. Um, and he took on the responsibility of growing the insurance the insurance and the legal uh, verticals. And ironically, what was really funny, the reason why I'm here today is because CrowdStrike was my client and I was their broker. And by, oh. by being their broker, Charlie and I formed a bond with each other when he was at CrowdStrike and I was at the broker – Charlie helped me create the predominant priorities in some respects because I would I would pick his brain. Um, so CrowdStrike was very early on involved with the insurance community and was working with the insurance community to get onto the panels for incident response. Um, many other vendors uh, of like quality were also doing the same. Uh, but what I think where I think CrowdStrike you know tried to differentiate itself really early on in the game was we want to think proactively as much as we want to think responsive. So that was mm-hmm. the criteria. Um, we started getting getting into the game because we saw a need to that a product solution set that we could provide and a services solution set that we could provide also inerts to the benefit of the insurance community. And it fits real well into those predominant priorities I was referring to. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, for those who don't know our listeners today, CrowdStrike is a part of what we call the Cowbell RX ecosystem, which really provides policyholders with discounted cybersecurity services to help improve their risk. Um, In addition to this, um, Adam, what I really would love to know to kind of talk a little bit more about uh, CrowdStrike um, how does CrowdStrike work with the insurance community to promote better cyber hygiene? So we like to align uh, to proactive conversations and build talk tracks around response. So, but we really want to talk about proactive and align to hygiene. So we see, you know, an underwriting evaluation taking place. We've we looked at application questions and we understand NIST and, and CIS controls and those type of things and. We see lines where you could say, if you're involved with CrowdStrike, and you know, of course, I want to be uh, respectful to other providers. That there are other providers out there, such as MFA providers, that also align to a lot of the controls that are that are requested in, in the underwriting evaluation. So, what we want to do is we want to align to the question sets that the underwriting community is looking to solve for. We want to help the brokers get to those solutions because there's a lot of pain involved in trying to get these questions answered. And so we want to become a good partner to the entire ecosystem. So we've aligned to those in many respects. And it's actually a very natural alignment. It has We haven't gone out of our way very much to get there. You know, again, I think what's important about having conversations like this is bridging the gap between insurance and technology. The technology choices that are out there are not equal. And so what you want to do is try to find the most effective, efficient choices and, you know, likely, you know, cost cost effective as well and bring them to the conversation so you can leverage those investments you make into these controls and these, these especially these technology controls and make sure that they line right up to what the underwriting evaluation is going to look like so that we can encourage better hygiene 
even before we the, the, the insured comes back to Cowbell for underwriting. You know, um, in, yeah. some, in some cases, uh, we're working with the client here, and the, we're asking a set of questions now uh, that involve who's your insurance carrier, who's your insurance broker, and who are you using for breach counsel. And we try to take those questions on early to help develop the, to develop the synergies that we find when we when we're developing product solutions and, and um, services solutions to say, if you do this, you should go into into your negotiation highlighting these investments. And you know we know you know a cowbell for instance might take you know might take a really good look at at a risk because they see a particular solution that we all know is acceptable to the underwriting evaluation. Absolutely. So, you know, similarly, um, what I also want to kind of talk about at Cowbell, we call it adaptive cyber insurance um, via our closed loop approach to risk management. Um, And what that means is that we want to assess, ensure, we want to respond to, and we want to improve risk on a continuous basis. So with that being said, um, Adam, why do you think it's important for policyholders to take a proactive or even a more adaptive approach to their cybersecurity. And then the other part to that is, do you have any real-life examples or case studies that kind of demonstrate why this proactive approach is so important for policyholders, Adam? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the adaptive approach is where it gets unique uh, currently for Cowbell um, in the sense that you're really offering a solution that if it's, if it's 24-7 continuous adaptive approach, you know, you're giving – amazing value, especially depending on the size of the entity that, you know, they can't buy in the marketplace, you know? So, so with that, you know, there's a value there and, you know, and I will admit, you know, certain types of businesses or certain size businesses, you know, may or may not, you know, glom onto the conversation about, about an adaptive approach. Um, but, you know, when you look at it, it makes sense and it makes sense potentially for maybe a smaller entity than a larger entity, but even a larger entity segmented accordingly might see the value in the approach. And so therefore as a philosophy, it is a great way to approach risk and to make sure that you maintain a good balance between risk taking and then, and then mit- and then mitigation as well as transfer risk, risk transfer. So in a world of in the world of cyber, we have seen historically in our own customer base a willingness for customers to share information with insurance carriers. And I know through this experience that the underwriter has taken the information, the sharing of information, and has has credited the customer with some sort of benefit. And I'll stay away from the type of benefits because it's going to be varied between what Cowbell would offer, maybe what, what someone else would offer. But at the end of the day, you know, the exchange of information, and I will say this because this is probably the more important part, the partnership that in that marriage between the insurance entity and the insured themselves working hand in hand for a common goal, I think is the part of the adaptive approach that really brings to their brings to bear the value of that type of adaptive approach and philosophy. And the outcome of that over time is really where I think this is headed. You can't underestimate how important it is to have the, the insurance company play a good factor in the risk management aspect of this because the, the cyber concept has gotten too big and out of control for a lot of insureds that just can't keep up. So mm-hmm. there is a need for everybody to row in the same direction. 
Absolutely. Absolutely, Adam. I, I love hearing that and kind of hearing your perspective on that. Um, I think it's really, really important for our policyholders to know and understand that as well. Um, so, Adam, there is a perception among uh, business owners and leaders, especially in the small to medium-sized enterprise space, um, that cybersecurity is really expensive, of course, confusing, uh, hence this podcast, and also best handled at um, super high tech. Um, um, so what I really want to hear from you, Adam, is um, kind of help us help us uh, demystify this myth that's going on with our small to medium sized business community. I love this question because one of the re- it's it's a bit of a layup question. It's a, it's a little unfair, actually, only because this is what CrowdStrike's business is. You know, we're we're in we're designed to bring the the proper cybersecurity to to the insured in your case to our customer if it's not an insured uh, in a manner that's very efficient and cost effective uh, and doing so by leveraging the you know the smart ed- engineers we talked about well those smart engineers have done their job at CrowdStrike right and now we get to bring that to the to the consumer uh, in a very important in very important streamlined and effective way what we spend a lot of time on is making sure that that the customer themselves understand that when you bring the the investment of the technology into the environment, you actually would see an overall picture of what the cost would be and how costs would get reduced when you bring the right technologies to bear. So the, the, at the onset, the scary part is this is so expensive, for instance, what an endeavor I'm going to take, right? And then you start to realize – Yes, but if you if you take if you take this, you can remove these costs over here, and all of a sudden it becomes a cost benefit to invest in the right technology. And all those smart engineers that everybody's scared about, they're on this side of the coin, and we're bringing that knowledge to you in in uh, scale. So the industry as a whole needs to go down the road of platforms uh, where you can design a platform to bent to leverage the different investments in technology, and um, and and particularly for for cowbell and and sort of the philosophies that you're following is the future has in it the ability to marry the technology providers the multiple technology providers and and coalesce data and take the noise out of it and allow the actual customer to see a single pane of glass with consistent with consistent data that you can look at from multiple data sources that will be more or less neutralized and and um, provided to you in a much more clearer picture. It, it, it results in a better management of the risk. It allows the, the IT side of the house to be able to remove a tremendous amount of pain in the, in the workload and the analysis and bring it down to, sim- to more of a simple-minded approach. And then you lace over the top of that the risk transfer piece of insurance, and then you can, get to, you can actually get to a point in time where you actually see the marriage and you see the bridge, bridging of the gap. But of course, we need to make sure that that folks aren't scared of, you know, making these or having these decisions and making these leaps to make the changes required to to make their technology stack and, and their investments in technology 21st century. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Adam, uh, what is the value of a CrowdStrike service retainer, for instance? So we our our service retainer actually it's part of a much larger a much larger conversation that actually has has brought these retainers to the forefront. So we had a an event that happened in uh, 2020 where um, a particular a particular entity 
was challenged uh, for privilege. And because of that event, there's been a whole new kind of conversation piece around the case law for privilege. So retainers have become very popular now because that particular event was involving a retainer. So what we now have done is, is we've gone out to the community and said, you know, you're making investments in your technology. You also have to make investments in your, in your services. So when you start, you know, when you start talking about continuous monitoring and we talk about buying the appropriate technology, you know, you still need to have services embedded in your, in your, um, your every day. And so, and we see regs out there pushing hard on requiring, you know, pen tests or red teams or, or maturity assessments, all in an effort to kind of build this, this cyber, cybersecurity conversation up and alleviate all of these, you know, unfortunate ransomware attacks and, and otherwise. So retainers at CrowdStrike, they function as, as a mechanism to build your hygiene throughout the year. So talk about continuous, mm-hmm. right? Talk about, you know, wanting to do something throughout the year to harden the environment. And that's the value of a CrowdStrike retainer. It's built on, on the premise that it's a proactive retainer. And then within it, you have the availability to to actually have CrowdStrike on call for incident response. So it's a great Got concept. It. I love that. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about that, Adam. So kind of explain to our audience how, how CrowdStrike takes into consideration cyber insurance and also privilege incident response concerns when positioning a service retainer as well. Absolutely. So going back to that case law that I mentioned, um, there were actually three cases that over the last few years that that diminished privilege. So it's important to make sure that when you're building a services retainer, and mind you, I'm saying services retainer. In the past, a lot of folks would call it an incident response retainer. That language is changing. We have we are changing with that. Um, you'll hear it in conversation. The fact of the matter is, it is a services retainer, and the, and what what's being done is. We're building a services-minded retainer that's proactive in nature, allows you to address all of the unnecessary – the excuse me, the necessary hardening concerns throughout the year. Still have your ability to get that incident response off the ground, but what's most important is you need to do it the right way. And if you, and if you do need to invoke an incident response, there's a whole set of other steps that need to be created or taken either at the time of the incident – or you need to think about it when you purchase your retainer and decide which way you want to go at the onset. So you need to have you need to have your law firm involved if you think you're going to use this particular retainer for an incident. And then even more important at times is understanding who your insurance company is. You, one of the important factors for for CrowdStrike and what we really want to do is make sure that our our customer or maybe your insured we know that you're we're going to be on that panel and we're going to be available to for, to respond for the purposes of your cyber insurance panel. Uh, we know that insurance carriers are taking a much more proactive role in picking the incident response firms. We want to make sure that we've had those conversations about that at the time of a retainer purchase. And of course, when it comes to Cowbell, we want to make sure that we are all in alignment and we know that Cowbell knows that we're responding potentially in the future and we want the client to feel the comfort that we had the thought process and the, and the forward thinking to make that alignment so that at the time of that event, and this is what's really important, there isn't much of a delay. Paperwork gets signed. Cowbell is already aware or has been aware or knows we're getting on that. 
and we're responding quickly, and there are there are no unnecessary delays. So on this show, Adam, we love to do predictions here. Uh, so we would love to hear kind of your point of view on where you think the cyber insurance industry will be in one year and then also within the next five years. We'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Sure. Well, I wish I could predict, but I'm going to say in the short run, the one-year period of time, uh, mm-hmm. I believe the cyber indus- the insurance industry is moving, in, and this is just from what I can tell, we're moving toward more of a stable marketplace. Um, I think that the, there is competition coming back into the into the market again. The the uh, concept of insure tech, those insurance carriers with a tech minded approach, um, um, kind of similar to what we're talking about with Cowbell, is is going to be leading the way. So that aspect of it is in the short run. That's going to start to take over. It's going to be about marrying the insurance product with the right technology solutions and and um, strategies in an effort to do just what Cowbell is already doing. So I think people are going to be following what you're doing, right? Um, that's in the one year. Definitely. Show. You know the the three and five year window, um, a much harder combo. But I can't I can't not make an analogy or, or a comparison to the auto insurance industry and the commercials we see when we're watching sports. And we see a lot of the auto insurers out there saying, you know, if you if you will take this app down and you will share your driving experience with us, you know, we will provide you a benefit, right? I I do see that in the future. Um, I it's going to come in many forms. It's very difficult. I mean, in some cases, it's already being applied, um, but I think it's prevalent. Um, I I do believe that a consumer. You know, when given the opportunity to share information in return for something substantive and meaningful, I believe that that consumer would be willing to do so when the alternative is something different. Um, sometimes the alternative is, you know, I'm paying a lot more for my insurance and I would really be – I'd like to find a way to not have to pay as much. So maybe that's where we're headed in five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also I also think that you know, the, the risk landscape will change drastically in five years. So what we need to do now is think about what we don't know because we don't know what it's going to look like. But what we can predict is that the threat landscape is not going to be less. It's going to be more. It's natural. It's, it's human nature. Remember, a threat actor is a person, right? It is people, but it's a person, right? And it's, it's human yeah. nature want to get something more. Um, and I think the threat actors over time will not just walk away. And so threats will be bigger. We need to figure out an insurance policy and product that can allow us to adapt to a greater threat environment. And as we're sitting here today and talking about what we're doing here with Cowbell, it's the direction of insurance in five years. Absolutely. You know, I think it's it's always good to kind of hear that as well, especially that Cowbell is already kind of ahead of the curve in our approach to the market. Um, but Adam, it has been so amazing having you on here today on our show. We have learned so, so much, and I'm sure that our audience, both the brokers and policyholders, have gotten so much out of this episode. So first of all, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to spend with us at the Cowbell Factors Podcast. So glad to be here, and thank you so very much for having me. (laughs) 
Tune in next week for another episode of the Cowbell Factors podcast. The Cowbell Factors podcast is now live on iHeartRadio, so hit the subscribe and follow button for updates and new episodes on all podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple, and more. More Cowbell. Cowbell.